Welcome back to the FCNN. My name is Kevin. I'm here with a very special episode. It's the Championship Week preview. I'm here on my own. After this, though, we have a very special interview with Sean Brown, man of the people, defensive lineman for the heavy hitters. You can skip to that if you want, skip past this, or just listen to this. It's going to be two separate segments. Look on the bottom of your anchor. You'll be able to see and navigate to where you want. But for those ready for the preview, here's what happened. Last Saturday, we hit the playoff games. Beast vs. Glacier Boys, Zappers vs. Wild Aces. A lot of people had the Zappers beating the Wild Aces, the Beast beating the Glacier Boys. We'll go game by game. Glacier Boys vs. Beast. Top seed vs. bottom seed. Two starkly different teams. Beat The Beast had just gotten upset on week four. The Glacier Boys hadn't won since week two. It's a drought. Both teams are coming off of losses. Glacier Boys more than the Beast. Nonetheless, it was slated to be a good game, but a lot of people had, you know, Beast out on top. It's Quentin Flowers. It's it's the league MVP, undebatably. What's going to happen? Not what everyone thought, surprisingly. First half, Glacier Boys come out, quick strike. You know, Francois to Jamil, 26-yard pass. Quick touchdown, one minute and 13 seconds. Easy scoring drive. Missed the extra point. They come back. Robert Turbin, the new signing from the Beast, comes on the field. Quick play, you know, rushes it in. 6-6, six six. they miss the extra point. Keep in mind, the Beast have three power-ups. One of their power-ups, which they have two of, by the way, is if they miss an extra point, they can redo it. Second one is, if the offense that they're playing against makes an extra point, they can replace the defensive back with a defensive back who has the power-up that I'm talking about right now. They can use that, and they can redo the extra point, so they have another chance to defend against it. They didn't use it, 6-6. Then, you know, Glacier Boys come back out. They score again. Turpin from Francois. Francois played the entire game. Uh, Pindell had, like, not much. He didn't even start. Francois was the starter. Uh, Francois ended the night with five touchdowns. Where did Pindell go? Who knows? Looks like, you know, not even the Glacier Boys, whoever's putting them together, is having much faith in Pindell, which is fair at this point. Uh, Glacier Boys come back 14-6, go up two. Uh, not go up two. They get the two point. Then they have a big stop at the half. Huge defensive stop. Open up the second. The Beast get the ball back. They score 14-14. Then Turbin uh, gets another touchdown, and it goes back and forth, back and forth. Anyways, the game ends up at 38-20. For not the Beast. Glacier Boys win. Uh, who expected it? I don't think anyone did. The Beast were outclassed in all fashions. They got the defense for the Glacier Boys was hungry. It was heavy hitters versus heavy hitters, but man, they came out with the vengeance and they put it down. Francois was, I mean, on on fire. Didn't even run that much. Had two rushing attempts, uh, one touchdown on the ground, four in the air, uh, five for eight, 91 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, with the, his longest pass being a 36. Pendel was three for five, 22 yards. Uh, you know, not inconsistent, but eight for 13. Uh, Quinn Flowers was three for 10 for one interception, uh, 44 yards in the air, zero touchdowns in the air. Uh, Edwards was four for six for one, considerably better than Flowers. Still not enough to get the job done. Had one touchdown in the air, was sacked three times. The Glacier Boys were sacked a total of zero times. There was pressure from both sides, however. Uh, Jamil and Turbin split the uh, in the air touchdowns. Uh, Francois ran one in on the ground and passed all four. Uh, two to Jamil, two to Turpin with a four-yard difference. Uh, Jamil had one more reception than Turpin's three. Jamil had four. Uh, nothing too special there. And um, 
Rodgers had one reception for nine yards uh, for four touchdowns there. Uh, not on Elijah, but for the uh, Glacier Boys. Uh, the Beasts were a much more uh, well-rounded out group. Uh, three to Smith, two to Salisbury, one to Allen, one to Evans Jr. Uh, only one touch on the air, uh, Salisbury, on that one for uh, – hey, it wasn't that impressive. Uh, it was not a good night for the Beasts, nonetheless. It was uh, – they had an interception. They had two interceptions, I think, actually, and uh, one that was a game-sealing one, one from Edwards – one from Flowers. Uh, I don't even know what to say. It was uh, a shock. As a Glacier Boys fan, I I didn't know. I've been saying that we're one of the higher power offenses, but no one. I don't. I don't think anyone expected that. Not even. Not even the fans. And uh, then we go to a, a very different game. It's the Josh Gordon powered Zappers versus the Dirty Dude powered Wild Aces. Uh, another one of those games that you're like, all right, this is this is the Zappers game to lose. That it was. It was definitely their game to lose. And they lost bad. Uh, take into account that the Zappers have one of the most electrifying offenses, pun on electrifying, uh, in the league. Josh Gordon. Uh, they have Logan Marchie, who's been one of the most electrifying quarterbacks to play. I know I'm using that word a lot, but man, he has been amazing. Beware the Ides of Marchie. It's been one of those phrases that's been thrown around. He's loved. And he's a good quarterback. He was better than Manziel. They also have Johnny Manziel, a Heisman winning quarterback. One of the most electrifying, bringing the word back, electrifying college QBs of all time. And Bob Menry was bringing it together. They had um, Sean Oakman on the way. Uh, it looked like they'd have a really good game in the finals had they actually made it to the big game. And they, they didn't. And they didn't even come close. Uh, Jerdy, dude, it's, here's the thing. It wasn't even an impressive night. From the Wild Aces, when we look at the stats, uh, the Zappers were 15 on 28 for two interceptions in the air. Uh, the Aces were one in the were three attempts for one completion in the air, uh, no interceptions. Same average per attempt complete, four yards. Uh, average per completion, though, you know, 7.5 yards on the Zappers side of 12 on the Aces side. Passing touchdowns one to one. Seems like a pretty even match game. Maybe even more for the Zappers, considering they have 14 more completions. That's what you'd think, too. I'll keep going down the stats. We'll keep going if we wanted to. Uh, but it doesn't matter because the final score is an atrocious 32 to 6 with the Wild Aces on top of the Josh Gordon, the Zordans. The Zordans. Another game that you're like, whoa, what the hell just happened? The yards weren't even that far apart it was 135 yards of offense from the aces 121 from the zappers um a few key notes there were some really shitty turnovers for logan marchie uh he had one where i think it was at the end of the first half he's running out of bounds and he just flicks it with his white with his right wrist flicks it into the end zone gets this god-awful interception uh and then there's the other one i think it it seemed like it hit news almost i've heard people talking about it that aren't even fcf fans uh a snap goes over johnny manziel's head it was in his hands slipped right through not particularly his fault he looks back he tries to grab it misses it doesn't go for it on one hand it was fourth down he recovers that he gets smacked he's gonna get hurt and for what it's fourth down they'd use their fifth down the drive wasn't continuing here's where the kicker is he walks away as he gives up on the ball what happens the aces return it for a touchdown why? I mean, you could have stopped that, and he didn't. He then sat out for the rest of the game, I believe, in a hoodie 
on the sidelines doing nothing, looking looking like it's you know everyone else's fault. Johnny Manziel gave up on the Zappers. I don't even know what to say. Um, it was just a completely, you know, just a god awful game. It felt like for everyone, the Zappers had bad play calling again. You know, it was mostly uh, long bomb passes. Uh, you had Travis Toivonen, you know. Trav Daddy with eight receptions for 83 yards, no touchdowns. Josh Gordon for three receptions on 30 yards for one touchdown. Definitely not the electrifying person we thought we were getting. Uh, Giuseppe, one for four. Uh, Edwards, one for 19. Uh, Tredante Hill, two for nine, which is fantastic. He, he, you know, he had, he was 0 for two. He had two drops. He comes in, really shows up, made a big play where he, he bobbles the ball in midair and pulls it in and then falls on the ball at like the two yard line. Could have been their score. And I don't think they did. I don't even think they scored there. Uh, there was a lot of times where it felt like they could maybe get momentum back on their side. They didn't. Uh, if you want to go over the drive chart, uh, it's bad. It Fumble, interception, interception, uh, touchdown, 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 end of half, touchdown, end of half. Uh, first half was unbelievable from pretty much any standpoint. The defense was also all over the place, not for the Zappers, but for the Aces. As I said, the Aces had like eight total offensive plays, I think it was. It was something horrible. It was not good. Uh, they ran up that score. The Zappers were out there uh, basically doing nothing while the Aces were absolutely mauling everything in their sight. Uh, I think Brandon Smith got tacked. He got sacked three times. Uh, no one else took a single sack that game, not even on the uh, aces. Uh, Erdman uh, was in the entire game. No, Crouch didn't take the field at all, but then again, he had three attempts for one completion, one touchdown, 12 yards, uh, nothing special. Uh, Galloway has another good night, five carries, 57 yards, one touchdown on the ground. Not what we've seen before, but Virgie's, you know, comes up on the back with one one carry, uh, 48 yards on the ground, and one touchdown. You know, nothing nothing too crazy. Oh, Crouch was on the field. He had two carries. Uh, didn't pass a single time. Um, yeah. Who would have thought? Not me. Not me. So we come, and this is the uh, this is it, the championship game, the people's championship game. It's the Glacier Boys versus the Wild Aces. You know, one of the most heated rivalries in the FCF, by far. By far. I... I don't know. It's one of those things where you just you, you don't know what's even happening. What did I just watch? Um, you know the uh, I'm gonna be biased. I'm gonna say I think the Glacier Boys are gonna win, and here's for a few reasons. One, the Aces have the benefit of playing a look like a G League defense on Saturday. G League completely. The Glacier Boys had a good defense as well. I think they're going to pull it together. Uh, I think the Aces voted for Sean Oakman's offense. I don't think it, the Sean Oakman defense, they had a choice between two defenses uh, with different packages of you know spectacular players. They voted for the shutdown squad. I'm not too pressed. I don't think Sean Oakman is going to be fantastic as he you know really... We've seen the, the curve that the arena football has had to the uh, NFL players, and it's taken a while for them to come around to really put pressure on the quarterback. I don't think Sean Oakland's going to make much of a difference. Um, the Glacier Boys just have, in my opinion, the more electric offense. You have one of the most impressive receiving cores in the league, something that the, the Aces do not have. They have uh, Galloway, the best Swiss Army knife in the league. You know, he really is making things happen out there, but. The tandem of Jamil and Turpin, add Boykin in there as the big man who can, you know, get the extra points done when they're needed, and you add in Carradine, who's also, you know, he's the man-up guy as well. 
it's a it's a team that's hard to contend with. You know, I I really I don't see a lot of offenses. You know, going even rivaling rivaling that uh that receiving core. And then you look at who's behind center and forget David Pendel, obviously. DeAndre Francois, now one of the highest rated QBs in the league, five touchdowns on Saturday. If he's doing what he's doing, anything is possible because my God, is he good? And I would be scared if I had to go against him. And we, he's ours now. Um, in the backfield, you have Kalen Campbell, who's definitely not the Ladarius Galloway. Galloway is the premier running back in the league, no doubt, but he can get the job done. And Galloway can only do so much, especially against a real defense. It's going to, we're going to see the fact that the Aces had like eight offensive snaps in the game. I, what is that? I mean, it's not much of a test of the offense, more of the defense getting these crucial stops, uh, interceptions, etc. cetera. Uh, I really think that we're going to see the uh, offensive line of Cecil Cherry and Dante Rumpf, you know, really run it up on the Aces. Uh, as I just don't think that it really comes close. Um, Jordy Dude is, is a good quarterback, but I mean, he was one for three on Saturday. Not that many, you know, attempts, but also not that much production on those attempts besides one touchdown for 12 yards. I think that we're going to see the Glacier Boys pull ahead. Uh, we're going to have 30 minute halves allegedly on Saturday, and we're not going to have the consolation game between the Beasts and Zappers, as people were told, as it seems like a lot of players wanted to leave the bubble a little bit early. You know, once once it was over, what are you chasing? You're chasing, you know, third place. A lot of players want to get out of there. Totally understandable. I thought it was going to happen. A few players were asked to stay behind. Uh, specialty players, I assume defense mostly, you know, to fill in those spots on those rosters and make sure that we have a good game. You know, we're going to have, like I said, 30-minute halves, allegedly. And uh, I'll be out there representing the FCF. And before, before I close this out and before I, you know, send this to Sean Brown... I want to thank everyone who's worked on this with me. Andrew, Kyle, Caleb, Frags, all those people, Knight. I I wish that you guys could all be there. I wish that we could all be there, and I hope that season two allows the fact that we can all go to a game um, because the privilege that I have is, is one that not everyone has and not a lot of people will have. And so going to Atlanta is a fantastic opportunity, but it's not one without – the one that I wish that everyone could be there. And so for everyone who's helped, like I said, thank you from the bottom of my heart. This is something that's, you know, we got recognized and I'm really proud of everyone. And I think this is going to go somewhere. So thank you everyone who's helped on this, whether it's with the website, the podcast, the Twitter, bringing it all together. Freddie for, you know, coming on the show for an episode that got scrapped. You know, we'll have him on here eventually. Sammy for, the same reasons. I love you all. It's been fantastic. I'm excited for the championship game. I'll be out there, like I said, representing the FCF. I'm going to tweet it out. Hopefully get some sick photos, some shots, you know, for the website and all that. Get some cool things on the field for us to bring back and write about. I think that's all. So I'm going to hand this off to me and Sean Brown. Like I said, thank you to everyone who's helped on this. And I wish you all a great night. See ya. All right, welcome back to the FCNN. I'm Kevin, and I'm sitting here with Sean Brown. What's up, Sean? What's up? All right, Sean is a 
defensive lineman for the heavy hitters and has played this entire season and has been fantastic for all the fans. Uh, Sean, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started. Uh, I'm Sean Brown. I played college football at South Alabama, 22 years old. Uh, really been playing football my whole life. I, I really think <clears throat> I'm an open book. I really like talking to people and uh, just just learning and sharing experiences. So I'm, I just try to be one of the guys like everybody else. Yeah, so you played you, – so you played college – you played college ball at South Alabama. How was that? How did you do there, and how did that all go down? I know you didn't get a pro day, so and you're going to do that this week, right? Yeah, yeah, Friday. Friday. So how was South Alabama? How did that go, and how did that get you to the FCF? Uh, South was a great experience. We we didn't win a lot. Man, my first year, we went to a bowl game. We played Air Force. It was a great experience. Uh, we played in Arizona. Got to see beautiful, beautiful scenery. Uh, I, it was a blast. I'm thankful for all the times I've had. I met a lot of great people, played against a lot of great players. Um, I, I think about, you know, what my path would be if I, if I didn't go to South, but I'm, I'm kind of glad I did. It's brought me to where I am and I can't complain. I'm sitting here talking to you right now. Yeah. So did you have any other options outside of South or was it just the South offer? I had all of the Sun Belt and I had all the Conference USA. I had some other offers, but they got pulled. Oh yeah, either because of a coach leaving, or they had all the recruits they were taking. So that was a that was a new loophole for me learning and recruit. Nobody told me that. I just thought like I knew offers weren't infinite, but I didn't know like there there was no coach saying like, all right, we do not have any more scholarships, so we can't take you. So I I actually called. I think I called. So, because I was actually, I was not about to commit to South. I was going to commit to Southern Miss. I called uh, Coach. His name is John Wozniak. I called Coach Wozniak. He was the uh, running backs coach for Southern Miss, and he's the running backs coach for Oklahoma uh, State now. But I called him. I was like, you know, Coach Woz, I I, I think I'm ready to do it. I really like to visit. I like the guys, and I think I want to commit. And he was like, well, I, I hate to tell you, but I'm not even there anymore. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? I was yeah. like, what you mean? But yeah. And after that, so then the offer got pulled because the coach who offered you wasn't there anymore. Yeah, it was It was like you would have to get in touch with them, with, with the guys, and see how, see how they feel because when the guy leaves – if that coach really wants you, he can really fight for you to get you on the table to get offered. But if coaches are going in a different direction, and plus, since they brought in a new coach, they was bringing in a new coordinator as well. So maybe he wanted to go to a different guy. But usually, oh, most yeah. Of the, yeah, most of the times they try to uh, like honor a scholarship if they've already given it. Yeah, that makes sense. And then after that, so you went to – Southern Alabama, and then you ended up in the FCF. I know a lot of guys ended up going to tryouts. Was it any different for you, or did you go to one of the like six tryouts they had across the you know the United States? How did you get? How did you end up where you are right now? Uh, it was it was a little perplexing. I I I heard that they were doing tryouts, but I didn't know how to like actually go to them. So what actually happened was I was talking with my agent. And we were talking about uh, the possibilities. He was asking me, you know, it's like, hey, do you think that you can go and play right now? I was like, of course I can go and play. I was staying in shape. I was working out every day. 
because I had been training for my pro day. And after they said we weren't having a pro day, I was just still training for what I didn't know, but I just wanted to keep training. So um, he just came across, he was like, you know, have you ever heard about fan control football? And I was like, I, I saw a little bit about it because I, I've heard, I saw on Twitter that they were getting uh, Johnny. And I was like, I was like, well, I was like, this might be interesting. So when he brought up a fan control football, I was like, I was like, Johnny's going to be there. I was like, it's probably going to be some exposure. And I, I did a little bit more digging into the league. And I was like, this sounds like something I can hop on board with. So my agent actually uh, sent my highlights over to, I don't know if it was Coach Sean Liotta, but he sent my highlights over and all of the guys liked them. And they just sent me a contract right back. Oh, wow. So you didn't even have to go to one of the uh, workouts because I know that pretty much everyone else who I've talked to went to one of the like trainings that they had, whether it was in Atlanta or I think they had one in Texas as well. But that's interesting that they just offered you right away. How does that make you feel? Because like they obviously really wanted you. Uh, it made me feel special. Uh, for me, I knew what I could always do. I always felt well. I, going back to me playing in college, I played against guys who've been drafted in the second, third, fourth round. And I was just looking at the, the league. I definitely felt myself that I could go and play with anybody. It didn't matter. As long as it was football, I could I could go and play. So I I was honored that they thought that I could come and play this league off my highlights. Uh, it really made me feel better. And I, I really felt wanted. I think that's what's really made me draw a little bit closer to the league because they hadn't seen me in the flesh until I got here. So if you can take a shot on, if you could take a shot of me in the dark, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. So you got there you know, they offered you a contract. You show up at the, the bubble or wherever you guys ended up first. What's it been like? Like how has the FCF been for you? What's a day to day? Day to day. So when we first got here, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was kind of nervous because it was a, I'm not going to say a new location, but it was unfamiliar. It was going to be like my first time playing professional ball. I was playing with all of these grown men. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know who was going to be here. And when we got here, it was just brutally cold still. Thankfully, it was warmed up some, but it was just a little awkward. And over the course of the days, we really have bonded into a family. I love these guys here. I, I love every single one of these guys in this hotel that I'm staying with, the coaching staff. I really think that these three months have made more well, really molded us into a family. And Coach Jinx was talking about on the field after practice that uh like nobody after season one will quite be the same as this group. And I kind of feel it because it's almost like it's a it's a brotherhood in here, and I almost don't want to leave these guys. I really don't though. I've had and yeah, it seems like everyone's here. close. Yeah, I've had My great experiences. You oh, you're good. You're good. I mean, yeah, it, like it, I've talked to a lot of people and they've said that like, you know, everyone gets close because you guys are in the bubble, you know, 24-7. So you guys are all around each other. And what, you guys have been there almost three months now? It's You guys got there like the second week of January. So we're getting there. I mean, it sounds like, you know, a different football experience from any other because where else will you really like be with the same group of guys no matter the team and like speaking about teams what's the heavy hitters like because you guys are your own defensive squad do you guys practice together outside of the games or does all of defense practice together so all of defense practices together but when we do like team stuff 
we strictly have like heavy hitters and then a shutdown squad. So you will go and practice with your defense versus maybe maybe just say like for the offense because the offense practices together as well. So it might be like on a team drive, just like Glacier Boys offense. So it'd be like Francois and Turp and all those guys versus like heavy hitters. Then we'll go and practice and then we'll just swap it up uh, through fields back and forth so everybody can just get acquainted, get some good reps in. Yeah, and you know, the heavy hitter says like a bunch of like really cool people like Slick Nick. You, how is like, I guess you could say the locker room, even though you guys are all together at times. Do you like being on the heavy hitters? If you know, to really go. Oh yeah. Guys? Oh yeah. I I I love my guys. I I go to bed for these guys every day. I love every single one of them. Monty, Parker, Dante, Nick. Who we got? We had Cavassier. We had Harold. Uh who I. I don't know. I, I think that might have been it for all the all the D line. I think we had McKinney at one point, but I I really love all these guys, and it's it's so hard because we're so competitive with the shutdown squad defense, and it's it's like a thin line because I love those guys, but we're also kind of like playing every week is like heavy hitters against shutdown squad. We always want to out top each other, and I ain't gonna lie, yeah. shutdown squad has been getting the better hand at things, but that. That was in the past. I mean, yeah, last night, both defenses, no matter who was on them, was, like, killing one side. Did you did you play last night? Were you on the field? I know that with the pro, the pro day coming out, it's a little weird, but. I did not play, but I was behind, and I was, I was watching, like, from the coach's view. Like, how, kind yeah. of how I watch film, I was watching from behind so I can see everything. And I could tell you, those defenses were flying out there last night. I was. I was proud of all those guys. After like after the each game, well, after the first game, I had to go down to the locker room, and I had to go just like dap everybody up. I was proud of them for what they did because it is not easy stopping Q Flowers. I promise you, that man. Oh yeah, he does some special things on the field, and it can drive you insane. So just just seeing them kind of box them in and and keep them contained to a to a point, I I was really proud of, of the D line and the linebackers and the DBs. I mean, we've seen like a real like improvement within the defenses. And in the first week, we saw like two flowers running up on everyone, you know, long bomb passes going by. And over time, the games have really gotten closer where the defense is showing up. How does it like, how does it feel to be on the defense? Because in seven on seven, you guys are at a disadvantage usually, especially uh, the D line because they're especially in the the earlier weeks you could only have like one guy rushing because the two tight ends would go out on a route and you'd have one guy on pass rush like how how did it feel and how did you guys get over that? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie; those two tight end sets had us ripping our hair out. We we were really trying to find ways to to work around that, and uh, we were really trying to get that taken out because it's it's just so hard just from a a football aspect to rush one guy. And try to try to go against these great quarterbacks. If if any quarterback is mobile, you can you can get out of a, a one man rush. It's it's not hard. Then you got an offensive lineman blocking for you. So we we really didn't like that. We didn't like the two linemen rushing either, but we would take that all day over the one. So I think we really we really, really emphasized rushing lanes and how to rush the passer this week. And when I was watching film from last night, those guys went out there and they were screaming and they were doing all the right things. I, I, 
I really am proud of those guys on both sides. I think everyone was because, I mean, we almost saw the first ever shutout against one of the most impressive offenses, too. Like, how did you feel when Josh Gordon was joining, even though you're obviously not a defensive back, but when you have people or Robert Turbin, because that's someone you guys would have to deal with. How did it feel to be like these guys are coming in? Was it was, you know, nothing normal, nothing, nothing special. Like they're just guys playing football or was something different? Well, at the well, I, I would say from this point of view. So when we first heard Josh was coming, I, I was, I was laughing. I was like, these DBs are gonna have to gonna have to find out some way to cover him because he is he's that guy. He's quick off his routes. He can catch. I mean, like he literally swallows the ball with his hands when he catches. But with with like Turbin uh, joining, I I don't I don't mean like any disrespect, but I don't I don't really care who's running the ball. I don't care if it's like Derrick Henry or Bo Jackson. I, I honestly don't care. Because you Yeah. I, for 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 me, and I try to instill this in all the defenses that I play for, you're not going to run the ball on me. So that won't be an option. So Turbin running the ball, it wouldn't have been an option. Josh, I would have just tried to help out with the pass rush. That man is he's a beast. But for the DBs, they took it as this man puts on his pants the same way we do. He has to play the same game that we have to play. They tried to make him uncomfortable. They they did the best they could. And I, I'm really, they, I think they've done a good job on covering Josh for the majority of the league since he's been here. Yeah, last night, he didn't have much, I don't think. There was not a lot of Josh Gordon. There was a lot of Travis, but not not too much of Josh. But, you know, outside of CF, what do you think comes next for you after this? You know, like you said, you have your pro day on Friday. What do you want to come out of that? Like, what's your what's your goal right now? Um, my goal would be to just to go out and perform like I know I can, have some fun. Uh, I I'm gonna be glad to get back on the field with some of my old teammates, see how they're doing. Uh, just work out with them. It'll be a fun time for me, and all, it's also business. But I feel like I'm prepared. Just go out there and know, uh, do what I know that I can do. And hopefully, one of the next steps would be me getting a contract. But if that does not happen, I'm going to have to talk to Commissioner Austin about coming back for a second season because I really do love this league. Yeah, I think that's been the sentiment with everyone. And plus, with the XFL and CFL coming out, that's a big opportunity for you guys as well because I think everyone believes that you guys are able to play at the next level. So I think we all hope to see you guys up there. And outside of football, is there anything you're working on? It's not football related because a lot of guys in the league are really trying to set themselves up for life after football outside of the FCF. Do you have anything coming out? So yeah, I have two things. One, I have a, a clothing line, which I have to go and start back working on later on today. It's probably going to come out sometime this week. I just have to finish doing all the little tidbits and whatnot. And secondly, I have I have a show in the works. Uh, I don't know where it's going to be. I think I'm going to put it on Twitch, but I'm going to be helping. Well, I'm going to be trying to help athletes show that they're more than athletes. So, And also when I'm saying that, the show is going to be called Overlooked Athlete. I want to try to get all like high school athletes a chance to go and play at the next level. I don't, I don't care if it's D1, D2, D3, junior college. I want to try to get these guys 
propelled so they can they can go and be the best. They can have all the knowledge that I wish that I would have had at this age. And I'm just trying to give back to the youth. I think it's going to be hard with uh, high school athletes trying to get scholarships and saying by college coaches just to, just during this pandemic. College coaches can't come out to high schools and watch kids practice. Uh, they don't really have interactions with them. There are no in-home visits, so they can't tell who you are. So I thought to maybe start a platform to where, you know, I, I could be a voice maybe for them. They could get some extra exposure that they couldn't get on their own. I know I have a lot of connections. I have, I have tons of NFL coaches that know and follow me. I know tons of NFL players, tons of college coaches, high school coaches. I, I, I know a lot of people. So I wanted to try to use my network to try to maybe get them some shine. That's really good. That's really, uh, that's a really good thing to do because you're right. COVID has changed everything about how sports in general work right now. And the recruiting you know, aspect has changed completely. Like, I don't even think we're going to have like an NFL combine this year, let alone having yeah, you know, college coaches like go out to people. Like you said, in-home visits don't happen anymore. It's completely different. So to try to change that is, you know, that's, that's a really good thing to do. And to wrap up, I've asked everyone else this, but if you could give someone an elevator pitch, you know, to why you should be at the next level next year wearing a jersey for whatever league you'd like, whether it's coming back to the FCF to get drafted by, you know, the fans again, or it is to go onto the NFL and wear an NFL jersey. What would you say to those people? Introduce yourself. Why should Sean Brown be on a roster next year? I would say I try to be one of the most unselfish guys that that you can know. I, I would like to say I know how the game of football is played and I understand it. I want to get to the next level to, to further my knowledge because I, I want to keep learning about football. I want to keep learning about coverages. I want to keep learning about tendencies and all that stuff during the game, like like dealing with the game. But outside of well, well, not outside of the game, but dealing just like with unselfishness. I've always tried to be a, a team first guy. I I love seeing team ball. I don't care if it's basketball, football, rugby, hockey. I love seeing a team play a sport as a team. I don't I don't believe that anyone should be over anyone. And I I took so much inspiration from but one of the goats, Tom Brady. He took a team that was they, they were good and to me what propelled them to a Super Bowl was his leadership his unselfishness. It was a lot of unselfish things. There's a lot of unselfishness that have to happen for you to win at a high level. It's a lot of sacrifices that have to be made. And I will make those sacrifices. I don't mind being a role player. I don't go out on the field and try to go and make every single play. I know that certain players are designed for my teammates to win, and I want my teammates to win. I don't just – I was telling uh, one of my coaches this. If it came down to me getting a, a game-winning sack or you getting a game-winning sack, I want you to have it. I don't, I don't care about my success. I got to have zero tackles. And as long as we win the game, I'm good. Well, there you have it. John Brown. Unselfish, great guy, one of the best people to ever interact with the fans. You're around all the time. We love you for a reason. And I hope your pro day goes well and everything else after that goes well. The clothing brand launch as well. And let us know when the show comes out. You know, we'll all be behind you. Sean, thank you for coming out.
This has been the FCNN, and I'll see you guys next time.